0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18+ plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Stagecraft Variety's Theater Podcast, taking you behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the biggest shows on Broadway and beyond. I'm your host, Variety's Theater Editor, Gordon Cox. If you've seen a Broadway musical in the last decade, there's a good chance it was directed by Casey Nicholaw. His production of Disney's Aladdin celebrates its fourth anniversary this year as one of Broadway's top sellers, while The Book of Mormon, which he co-directed, has been a monster hit since it premiered in 2011. With shows like The Drowsy Chaperone and Something Rotten also under his belt, and titles on the way, including the buzzy Mean Girls this spring, Casey is Broadway's go-to guy for musical comedies. He's here in the studio to talk about all those shows and more. Hey, Casey. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Um, So now, if everything goes according to plan, right, then by the end of this year, you're going to have four shows running on Broadway, right? That's Aladdin, Book of Mormon, Upcoming Mean Girls this spring, and then The Prom, uh, the musical comedy that's opening in the fall. And that seems like it would be a big deal, except that that's happened to you
1: before, right? Right. But... (laughs) Okay, but what? If Dreamgirls comes in this year... Is that going to happen? Is oh, that going to... Oh, it, it will happen. I don't know if it will happen when? this year or not. Yeah, that I don't know. Yeah,
0: we're talking about the Dream Girls uh, revival in London. That was a huge hit over there, and uh, it still is, still and is still going <laughs> strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you? What's the? Would you try and get the same cast at all from over there? From that, or with a new American cast? It
1: depends. I mean, honestly, it's about all the different pieces. You know, if it's still running there. I don't think we would just like pick up and pull everyone from there over here. So we'll sort of we'll sort of see what happens and how long it takes and that kind of thing. Right? Who's available or not?
0: So five. So you are shooting for five. That's a that would be so amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. How
0: how did you celebrate the last time there were four, or did you?
1: Oh, oh, I did. You know, it was the nicest thing actually because Disney and Tom Schumacher and Mm -hmm. Ancourt threw me a party. Oh, parties. that's and nice Caricature, And it was actually incredible Oh, They invited all my friends Whether Aladdin related or not And right. there was a whole guest list And it was, it was really fun And it, it was really moving
0: how will they top it for five? I guess you'll find out. We'll find so, out uh, yeah. if yeah. it happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so obviously you have a real affinity for musical comedy. Do you, do you think of yourself as having an approach to musical comedy? Like how, if someone were to ask you, hey, Casey, how do you direct a musical comedy on Broadway? What do you answer?
1: Um, I basically answer that every show has its own needs and sort of reveals itself about what it needs. So, you know, it it doesn't always end up being the same and you can't stage one thing the same way as you stage something else because everything you know, it's all about the story right. and it's all about the characters and what they need and how you'll approach it. Right? Basically.
0: And so is there in general can you identify one area in particular that is often the most challenging in putting putting on a Broadway musical or is it as you sort of alluded to, different for every single show. It kind of is
1: different, except there's yeah. all, all, it feels like there's almost always a place somewhere in act two that you cannot get the song right. Okay. <laughs> you keep trying and f- trying to figure it out and it just always takes a while.
0: Can you give me an example?
1: Well, I know in like, Drowsy shop How Chaper- about Aladdin? Oh, Drowsy oh, Okay, yeah, Drowsy Chaperone. It was, it Chaperone. was actually uh, the, the song that Mrs. Tottendale and Underling do and it's sort of like halfway mm-hmm. through act two. Right. Um, I feel like we always sort of hit that spot. I don't know where it was in Aladdin. I don't, I don't know that we had that happen in Aladdin. Okay.
0: We'll talk more about Aladdin yeah. momentarily. Yeah. Um, and But let's start by talking about the show that you're uh, coming from a rehearsal of right now, which is Mean Girls. Yeah. Um, how's it going? It's going
1: great. We're having a really good time.
0: And you guys are doing a fair amount of work, it sounds like, and sort of honing oh, it and refining it. Oh, we are. It. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, we did it in D.C. In D.C. And, you know, it, it went really well. Audiences went yeah, crazy The response was really good, right? Really it's good. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we're all perfectionists right. between me, Tina mm-hmm. Fey, Jeff Richmond, Nell Benjamin, all perfectionists. Right. We, we won't stop. And I never do stop. It's sort of like, oh, we're opening April 8th. Okay, we'll freeze in on the 7th. Right. Or the morning of the <laughs> eighth right right yeah, <laughs> or the tour yeah
0: <laughs> but and so how what what's guiding your work particularly on mean girls now uh,
1: you know for, for this one, particularly, it's character development, and it's 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 that we didn't feel that we were tracking the lead well enough story wise mm-hmm. and you know in the in the film, you have the advantage of her having voiceovers throughout the whole thing, so right. it's sort of about how do we get inside our head more and without you know
0: do songs help with that
1: they do yeah they do but uh, you know but it's it's it was a tricky thing you know it was it's sort of a tricky thing that we're we're really dealing with and trying to figure out and yeah. i think we're i think we're good you mm-hmm. know With there's like four new songs in oh, the show from since dc, since DC. Yeah. okay yeah.
0: yeah yeah um and there have been uh, sort of updates in terms of the setting like it is it is set now when with cell phones and Correct. texting and things it like is, that right yeah. how does that shift things
1: well it it shifts because no more three-way calling scene <laughs> oh right right yeah. um, you know things are just different and also i don't i don't want to generalize but people are meaner since 2004 <laughs> uh, but but since honestly 2016 but but, but it's, seriously because because of all the social media stuff it does change a, a lot and in attitudes right. and in school and in bullying and in not sure. letting people be themselves and and all of this it's so it's it, there's there are things that we have to say in it or we would it, it would be wrong of us not to right. but you also don't want to be preachy you want to you know do it through laughs
0: right and how is it working with tina Fey and jeff richmond
1: amazing it's it's incredible you know, it it really is. You know, we're all on the same page. It's it's really fun. It's, you know, she is so smart and writes so quickly and has such a good eye. Because
0: she had to write quickly all day, every day for her yeah, time in TV, I mean, right? I've and been, she, I've been yeah. blessed yeah.
1: between her, between, you know, Matt and Trey, right. the South Park, between Eric Idle and lot. you know. Right. You know, I, I've been able to work with all of these, you know, comedy legends yeah, who yeah. – who, you know, a lot of them, TV, even Bob Martin and Drowsy Chapron was television. Yeah, he was. You know? right. yeah. Um, so that's great because I work well that way and I work fast. So.
0: And does that, does that kind of working fast involve a lot of trying things and then throwing them out and then starting over? It, or how it does. does. Is it's that, just
1: like really being relentless until it's right, you know? Is that exhausting? It's so exhausting. <laughs> it, it, it really is, you know? It's like my brain never stops when I'm in this in this space. Right.
0: And... One of the things that you tend to do regularly is work with talent that is new to Broadway. Like Uh you you mentioned, the the South Park guys for uh, Book of Mormon, and like the entire creative team of um, Something Rotten was like largely new to Broadway, right? right? And so, what's important to keep in mind as you're working with people on a show that is their first Broadway
1: musical? Uh, Well, that's a it's a it's a tricky thing, you Mm, know, because there is a learning curve for them, but also you don't. Once you get into it, you just don't have the time. There you know, go. you go, I have, I have four weeks, so you'd have to just go. All right, this is what right. it is, and I think that it's um, it's just a different, it's a different medium than a, than a lot of people are used to, but right. s- some just really just gravitate toward it, and pretty much everybody's been game to go. Like, okay, I'm getting this now, right. You know, and also, you know, the the best is like, you know, having someone say after the fact going, oh, my God, I learned so much working on this show with you. And that's like that's the best compliment I could get. What do
0: you find is often the biggest surprise for people who were who are working on Broadway on a Broadway musical for the first I, time?
1: I just I think how fast and furious it is. OK, I, I really do. You know, and that there's just no breathing time. I mean, I get there in the morning at nine o'clock when New 42 opens. Right. And, you know. Never stop. Barely get a bite of my lunch, and then you know. Once we get in tech, I'm there at like nine in the morning and leaving at midnight.
0: Of course, right? And you know, yeah. and it's
1: and it's and it's an it's an awful lot. It you must know?
0: seem like a surprise to them, especially since the development process can be so can be years long, right? That's, and...
1: Actually, I think that's the biggest surprise. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really, Jeff was saying that the other day. It was like I thought. Okay, we're doing Mean Girls the musical, and you know, you'll see it in a couple of years, everyone. And meanwhile, like you know, six years later. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's, already, right. it's hard to believe it's already been five years or six years.
0: Right, right. We're talking about Jeff Richmond, by the way, who is Tina Fey's husband and also her frequent collaborator. Yeah. Um, it, he does basically all the music for all her TV shows. Yeah. Um, and so this question applies uh, equally to a show like Mean Girls and a show like Aladdin, which is uh-huh. what is your guiding principle in uh, adapting a film to the stage? How do you weigh faithfulness to the original and and satisfying its fans and existing on your own as a as a as a broadway musical that stands alone.
1: Yeah, well, I mean it has to be stage worthy as opposed to just film worthy. You know, so you have to recreate it so that it feels like it's theatrical, but you also have to capture the spirit of the film and what people liked about the film. You know, so you know, Eric Idle said it great when we were working on Lot, which right. is something I quote all the time. Which you know, he, which he, incidentally he, is
0: very different from the Monty Python and the Holy Grail film, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Right. You yeah. know, and and the thing is, all of a sudden, he'd be like, we're, we'd look at a rewrite and go, "Oh my God, you cut the the Bridge of Death! <laughs> right. How can you cut the Bridge of Death?" And he said, "You know what? If we keep them entertained and engaged and in the story, they're not going to know we cut something until they get home." Right. And I think that is something to sort of live by. And Tina is not precious at all with the film. Right. And I think that's a great thing. You know, I get a little bit like, huh, please put boo, you whore, back in it. <laughs> I have to hear that line. Is I not in to, there? It's not in it yet. No. Rough. I, I'm going, that's on my it. goal. You're working I'm on it. I'm working on it. On it I got back in once and then it went okay. away again. Sure. Um, but but, but really, it's sort of, uh, you know, she's she's really great about that. And I think one of the things that I was so impressed with when we were in D.C., is that you know we, our first night, our first preview, and all the fans are there going crazy at stuff. But you know there were like twelve lines from the movie that everyone went crazy for, and then the rest were all really big laughs that had nothing to do with film. Right. I mean, they have to do with story, but they didn't have to do with the film.
0: Right. Right. And then in terms of. Something like Aladdin that was, you said, sort of holding on to whatever the, the stage worthy quality is, right. and the thing that defines it and makes it the right. thing that audience responds to. What, it, what was that for Aladdin? Well,
1: Aladdin was a different story and was really interesting, which is that when, um, when Howard Ashman and Alan Menken created it to be a film, it was going to be a big, giant musical comedy. Right. Uh, and then you know when when they I think they got they got pulled to work on Beauty and the Beast and then it sort of morphed and then Howard passed away right. and suddenly it became more of an action adventure and right. a lot of the songs were cut and characters were cut and the tone of the film changed. Right. So when they when they brought me the script that they had been working on, it the musical comedy ness was back in there in full force and that makes sense because it's gonna be on stage and it's gonna be a musical comedy. Right. So right. that's sort of what what happened. We restored a lot. And then we ended up cutting a lot of this stuff when we restored just because, you know, right. for different reasons. But um
0: and then what how did that? you think about adding new material then to that? And With Aladdin? You, yeah,
1: yeah. A story, just sort of like what felt was missing, you know, mm-hmm. that Jasmine didn't really have a song in Act One. Right, sure. You know, and yeah. then they had she had one that was originally in the film and then just didn't work on stage. And so we... Which, Alan wrote uh, a which one. song is that? That's... Um, it's, it's now Palace Walls okay. the beginning of, uh, at the beginning of Act One, and it right. was called Call Me a Princess.
0: Okay, yeah, right. And... What, as you're, as you're going through that process with something like Aladdin or, Uh you know, the show you're working on now, Mean Girls, what, what, what are some of the things that drive some of the changes you make? Is it audience reaction? Is it uh, critics? Is it input from trusted advisors? Is it your own instincts? Like what, all of the above? What are the...
1: I mean, it's kind of all of the above, but I think it mostly has to be your own instincts, you know, because you can't listen to everybody. Right. And... You know, I I think that is a first-time thing that people want to listen to everyone, and I think you have to just be really strong with your vision of it because then it can just get watered down when you start doing that, and then all of a sudden it's dominoes and everything starts falling apart. And I think you have to really hold on to it. Sure, maybe there are a couple mistakes, and I think there are a couple mistakes in every show. Sure, you know, but it's you have to just keep uh, going with it. You know, Um, I think that if a if a critic has some some thoughtful things to say and some good advice you would be and, and it's something you've heard from other people too you would be dumb to not listen to it mm-hmm. and to you know what I mean and just keep going like oh they don't know what they're talking about well if I'm always like if three people tell me the same thing or four people tell me the same thing you have to listen to it right
0: can you think of an example specific to Aladdin that is you as the show made the journey to Broadway
1: um no you know what it's it's funny Aladdin it was it was funny but i think that people People didn't love – because, you know, Babcock, Omar, and Kasim, yeah. uh, those three sidekicks, the three, were yeah. very – they narrated the whole show when we were in Toronto. Right. And also they they were scheduled when they first created the film to, to narrate the whole film. Right. We thought, that sounds really cool. Nobody wanted to see them to begin with. They right. just didn't. Right. You know, and in the film you had the uh, – are they in the film at all? I don't remember. No. They're not, No, right? they're not. Yeah, right. You know, but also they had, he, he has a boo to talk to, and Jasmine had Raja to talk to. Sure. So they had, be, they had animals to talk to, and we were uh, like, yeah, no Abu animals. Be, yeah,
0: we're talking about animals, by yeah, the way. You so, what I mean? Yeah, you <laughs> know, no animals on stage,
1: just the three sidekicks that they originally wanted. Oh, well, I but, do miss the monkey, but yeah. It's <laughs> I know, a... <laughs> everyone does. So a little shout-out in that yeah. um, But, but, the, but the, the main thing about that was that people kept saying, get to the genie sooner. Right. And you know, in the film, you didn't see the genie early, but you saw you heard Robin Williams' voice mm-hmm. um right. as as like a peddler. Right. Yeah. And how
0: hard did you find it to match kind of the tone and the whimsy of an animated film in particular uh, uh, uh in a yeah. live setting?
1: Um we we just had to we had to keep it really buoyant. You know, we had to keep it super buoyant and colorful. I think the colors are important. Right. Uh you know, it's very it's very bright when you're in the town scenes, and then it's all pastels, and it's a small world when you're, you know, with royalty right. to just sort of sort of capture those colors.
0: Right, and you mentioned uh, Robin Williams. How much did the shadow of Robin Williams kind of hang over how you thought about the genie in particular? And it actually translating that? didn't.
1: You know, it actually didn't. You know, we went with James Monroe Eichelhart, Igle, yes, who uh, won a Tony for the role, who won a Tony, yeah. and you know, originally the role was written as Cab Calloway, right. So it was easy to go back to that. And then some of the numbers, like Prince Ali, we changed and made it more like a Cotton Club number for him. So it didn't feel like we were just doing a strict parade. And then, you know, Alan wrote the song, uh, Somebody's Got Your Back, which is very fast smaller.
0: Right, right. Was that new for the musical? Yeah, That, that song.
1: Okay, right, right. Um, yes, it was that place in Act Two. Oh yeah, no okay. joke. It was that place in Act Two. I swear, it's everywhere. All right, yeah. And it's and actually in Mean Girls. It's the one people keep saying we we need a song for Katie at that moment.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah. How hard was it to get that the version of that song in Aladdin? Do you remember it being a, a tough? Alan
1: is so quick. It yeah. is
0: stupid. We're talking about Alan Menken, a yeah. uh, songwriter.
1: Yeah, it is. It, you know, really, uh, uh, that that to me was one of like the musical theater joys of my life. Mm. Was watching him in that. In that moment. And I just remember us going into uh this little dingy room at, at Disney that's like never used. Where would this
0: have been? Here or in Toronto? Would it have been here? here? That's okay, how yeah. I was here
1: before we went to Toronto. Okay. Um Actually, before we went to Seattle. Oh, okay. Wow. It was the last. And we weren't sure. We were like, Seattle I don't know. came before Toronto, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, And we were just in a room and like right there, Alan wrote it. And then Chad put it put the lyrics to it
0: you were sitting in the room we were basically sitting in the room and then the same thing
1: when we were in toronto the 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 palace walls song got put in we got rid of call me a princess there and then put in palace walls and that was literally us going right now we're gonna get a new song right now and we basically all locked ourselves in alan i don't know if we really locked ourselves in there but um in alan's hotel room (laughs) right we just sat there around the piano and he just started playing things and we're like nope 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 what about this yep that's good what about this and this? Nope. What about this and this and this? Yep, yep, yep. And in a half an hour, we had that song. And then Chad went and set the lyrics to That's it. That's extraordinary. It was extraordinary. That was like that was really exciting. Yeah. Have you?
0: Do you ever work with slow people? It sounds like you work with a lot of fast people.
1: I do work with fast people, and they All have right. to catch up with me I too. Say. <laughs> I think. I think All they're right. like, "What room is he in? Where is he going? What is he doing?" Right. All right. Yeah. A little bit.
0: Okay. Good.
1: Um, I don't work with slow people. <laughs>
0: Um and That's what so funny. with Aladdin, what was what worked from the get go? What was the thing that you've talked about some of the things that people didn't want, but what did they respond to instantly?
1: Well, wow, you know, it was it really was a it really was a journey with mm. it, you know. A friend like me yep. worked well. It did not work well in Seattle, mm. but then worked well when we got it ready for Toronto. Right. Uh, And that worked like a charm once we had it down. And once Tom was like, you have to put tap in it. You're a tap dancer. You have to. Because I didn't put tap in it.
0: Right. Because I don't know.
1: What's so funny is I always don't want to have the gratuitous tap number. Right. You know, and every time I'm in a show, everyone else wants the tap number. Right. Right. And I'm like, okay. And sure enough, we're adding a tap number to (laughs) me girls this week. Yeah. (laughs) Because everyone's like, we want to add this song. And I think we should make a tap. I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. Might as well. Everybody but, loves but a tap it number. But funny, because I'm sure there are people that are like, okay, so he has to put his tap number in. <laughs> it almost never comes for me. All right. Turn it off. Trey was like, I want this number to be a tap number. I'm like, really? Yeah. All right. But it works. Yeah, That's right. Great. It's a Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so now that Aladdin is up and running, how often do you check in on it? I think a lot of people don't, under, don't think about the fact that directors often check in on the show and check in on the casting and see how it's holding up and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm probably at Aladdin on Broadway, like... You know, if I'm in town, I'm there a lot more. Yeah, you know, sure. I'm probably there three or four times a year.
0: Right. Yeah. If not more, you know. Yeah. And,
1: for, and for milestones, you know, and of someone's course. last show or someone's first show, right. Or we've got a new group of people. Yeah. Do you, do know, you weigh
0: and, in on casting and things like that, or
1: oh, across the board? Yeah. Yeah. There's right. there's right. nobody that's cast that I don't weigh. In right. On. And that in in ensemble or principal or whatever.
0: And that must apply for all the productions that
1: yeah. the replica productions that are going on. Yeah. And let's a, see, there's
0: one in London right now. Is that Latin right has
1: has tour. Yep. London. Yep. Australia, New Australia, York, that was it. Yeah. Germany, Japan, yeah. All right. <laughs> so,
0: and do you do something similar for Book of Mormon?
1: Yeah, same thing. All right, same thing. I, I go, I go there every few months. Right. Also, go out to the tours. Right here, you, you know, I don't make it to Australia as much as I would like to. Bummer. It is yeah. a bummer. Yeah. I love being out there, and, the, and also the productions are in such good shape there. Both, yeah. Both of those shows, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. How is the theater crowd in in Australia? It seems like they have an appetite for they, it. They they do. They love it. I think it's small. I don't think that you know the shows don't run as long there because right. there's just not as many people going right. and it's to see landmass. But, but the and audiences so have people. been fantastic. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And the casts are great there. Yeah.
0: Um, and now, tell us a little bit about the prom, which is another musical you're working on. I saw, right. as, I, as I was telling you, I caught a bit of a, a showcase performance um, the other day, right. and it's gearing up for a fall opening. So, uh, tell yeah. us about, tell me about the story and what, uh, what actually for the listeners, tell them what it's about, if in case they right. Case they don't well, know. it's
1: it's a, it's a story that we made up basically based on some true so who's events. Who's we? Which, who's we? Well, well, Bob Martin, yeah. Chad Bagelin, yep. uh, and Matt Sklar. And and are all,
0: these are all people that you have worked previously with. Right. We, I did capacities. Drowsy
1: Chaperone with Bob. Right. I did Aladdin with Chad. Right. And I did and Elf with, with all three of
0: them. Ch- with all three. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> well, it. you know, it sort of is based on all these events that you hear about people who are gay and not able to go to their proms. Right. And then we thought, you know, wouldn't it be funny if, <laughs> and Jack Fertel actually <laughs> called me and said, I don't know if you think this is a funny idea or not. And the minute he told me about it, I thought, I'm in. And he's like, "What about Bob and Matt and Chad?" Like, "Yep, done." Right. And that was like seven years ago now. Right. You know. Right. Um, so was it Jack's idea? It was Jack's idea. It was Jack's idea. Okay. It was. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's basically about these, uh, these I'm putting celebrities in quotes. Uh, yeah. That right. are, there are sort of has been Broadway stars who, you know, their careers are just kind of going down the tubes, and they're like, you know, I need to do something more with my life. You know what? Let's let's. Be celebrity activists and let's go help people somehow. And so they go down to this town where this girl's not allowed to go to the prom with her date with her her girlfriend, and they actually make things worse. Right, <laughs> right. And then right. they learn to be selfless by the end, which is just joyous. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and they get the prom and everything's great. you know great at the end. And it's got a good message and it's really timely now. I was going to say, so this is how many years ago did you say it? Seven years. Seven.
0: So yeah. we. You expecting it, did it feel particularly timely then?
1: It felt timely then, yeah. and then it felt not timely at all, right? And then it felt timely again, and then it didn't feel right. timely at all again, and now right. it feels really timely.
0: Good, good timing. So, then. hopefully, uh, in November it'll, yeah. Yeah. Timely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it will, unfortunately. I think, I think we're okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the same is true of Book of Mormon. I feel like Book of Mormon all has uh, some relevance to it now. Um, that oh, yeah, it, it, how hard is it? And can you even do this
1: on purpose, it, craft a musical comedy that is enduringly
0: kind of uh, I think, resonant?
1: I think you have to—I mean, you never know when it's going to happen, but I think hopefully when it has to do with things that are human, it's always relevant. You know, uh, you know when it has to do with something like universal acceptance, I think there's always a place sure. for that, and that's right. really Book of Mormon's message at the yeah, end. Yeah, right. You right. know, no matter what's in the middle, that's that's it at the end. Right, yeah.
0: Um. F- for the people who don't know much about uh, where you started out, you started out as a performer, right? Right. On, um, on Broadway, and uh, you were in Broadway musicals and
1: things right. like that. Will, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, was, I was in eight Broadway shows yeah. as a dancer, performer, right. uh, before I uh, decided to choreograph.
0: And tell me about that decision. When did that happen, and how hard was that transition?
1: You know, it happened relatively easy for me because I didn't, you know, assist other people or do anything else. But, you know, my my teacher sort of besides my love for musicals, which mm. it plays a huge part in how I approach things, you know, as sure. I was just such a fanatic about them, even growing up and and stuff. Which that, was um, where in San Diego, San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, all of my eight Broadway shows I was in as a dancer, except for one were, were I was in the original company. Right. So I got to watch it totally be created from the ground up. And I, I was, you know, in my head, knowing that I always had, like, the director or bossy gene, you know, I would be like, oh, I would have done that or I would have done this. Did oh, you know that great. all along?
0: Did you think early on that directing and choreographing would be a thing you'd like to try? I,
1: yeah. I mean, I didn't really know that I was going to be a director. Right. Uh, I knew that I wanted to be a choreographer because I, I loved to dance. I wasn't necessarily the best dancer technique wise, mm. but I had a lot of energy, right. <laughs> um, you know, but, but then, you know, then really after Spamalot opened, I had a meeting about drowsy and directing and choreographing it the next morning after Spamalot opened and mm. got that job with Kevin McCullum. Wow. And that's, that's, once I did that, I was like, I have to do it this way. And right. it just happened that way. Right. Yeah.
0: Are you interested in directing film ever?
1: I would love it. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Because I also, I also loved movie musicals growing up. Okay. So if I wanted, I, doing a musical would be the best way in for me, I think. Right. Um, you know, and I worked in a movie theater when I was in high school. And I, okay. you know. Right. All I did was watch movies. And, <laughs>
0: and do you, when, uh, I imagine you must talk to young or um, maybe sometimes not so young performers who are uh-huh. thinking about doing something similar, like making right. a similar change. What right. is the advice that you give them?
1: I really think it's just observe everything, you know, and just meet as many people as you can because you never know where something's going to come from. You just don't, you know, and to just get as much experience, even if it's a crappy experience, you'll learn from it and you'll decide what you don't want to do or what you do want to do. And it will help you, you know, period. Right, right. And
0: so you've got Mean Girls in the spring. You've got the prom in the fall. Right. What else is on your plate? That's
1: sort of. It right now. Okay. I mean, a few things, a few things in development. Right. Um, but nothing that's been written yet.
0: So, and Dream Girls wouldn't be able to come until after the prom. Probably then, after right? the prom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Next season is that the plan? I hope so. Fingers crossed. I,
1: my fingers across it will come in as soon as we have a theater and we can. Right. Right. I it, love need a, it.
0: Does it need a big theater? I haven't it gotten needs a chance. It's a pretty to see big theater. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, it's a it's a big cast, and you know that right. was that was one of the first shows I saw when I moved to New York. Oh, all right. And uh, I saw it six times. I went standing room Yeah Second acted it Or whatever Because I just Had no money Right And it was my favorite show And so the fact That I got to do that Was just a huge You know A huge deal To my 19 year old self Right (laughs) Yeah And and still You know it is Right Right Yeah Well we look forward To uh, seeing that When it comes Awesome Um, Thanks
0: for chatting It was great great Oh my
1: pleasure Thank you Thanks Kissy Great Thanks
0: was Casey Nicola, the musical comedy specialist and director-choreographer of The Book of Mormon and Aladdin, as well as the upcoming Mean Girls and The Prom. On the next episode of StageCraft, I'll be talking to Lee Pace, familiar from TV shows like Pushing Daisies and Halt and Catch Fire, and films like The Hobbit and Guardians of the Galaxy, who's now appearing on Broadway as one of the new additions to the cast of the National Theater's epic production of Angels in America. Until then, see you at the theatre.